You are listening to the Berkeley Technology Law Journal podcast. I'm Veronica Bognat. Here are some recent headlines about what's been happening this week in tech law. Today, I'll be discussing Amazon's alleged use of seller data in its own product development, Facebook's most recent filing in its battle against NSO Group, and the Supreme Court's ruling on the copyrightability of annotated legal texts. Last week, the Wall Street Journal reported that contrary to Amazon's stated policies, the online retailing platform allegedly engaged in a pattern of using proprietary data it collects from third-party sellers to launch and develop competing Amazon-branded products. The journal's interviews with over 20 former Amazon employees, as well as an inspection of company documents, revealed that such practices might have been, quote, standard operating procedure, unquote. Amazon allegedly used seller data points like product earning potential, product features, total sales, Amazon revenue for marketing and shipping, and Amazon sales profits to inform its own pricing, design, and market entry decisions for its products. In addition to launching an internal investigation, Amazon responded to such allegations in a statement, saying that its employees are prohibited, quote, from using non-public, seller-specific data to determine which private label products to launch, unquote. In July 2019, Amazon Associate General Counsel Nate Sutton had similarly stated that Amazon does not use individual seller data directly to compete with sellers on its platform. Last year, EU Competition Commissioner Margareta Vestager probed Amazon's potential abuse of its dual role as a marketplace for third-party vendors and a retailer of its own products. Vestager expressed concerns about Amazon's ability to use data from rival third-party sellers to distort competition. The FTC and the Justice Department are also scrutinizing Amazon for potentially anti-competitive use of its dominant position against competitors and sellers. Depending on how competition authorities define the relevant market, Amazon may have a dominant position. Amazon makes up less than 4% of the U.S. retail market, but 39% of U.S. online shopping takes place on Amazon, and that puts pressure on third-party brands to sell on the platform. At the same time, Amazon has vast shelf space relative to competing retailers. Its status as somewhat of a national resource, especially during COVID-19 sheltering in place, reinforces its position as a retail giant. The practice of using data to make and sell competitor products is a common business strategy among competing retailers, but Amazon has amassed a considerably greater amount and variety of data It is able to integrate into product decisions by virtue of being the marketplace in which third-party rivals sell their products. Competition law enforcers have not thus far considered data a metric of market power, so it remains to be seen whether Amazon will be subject to antitrust liability. Last week, Facebook lawyers alleged that NSO Group used U.S.-based servers to deploy malware in the mobile phones of over 1,000 WhatsApp users in order to conduct surveillance. This filing may be pivotal in the ongoing suit launched by Facebook against the Israeli spyware manufacturer last year, after NSO allegedly exploited vulnerabilities in the mobile phones of attorneys, journalists, human rights activists, and other members of civil society. In October 2019, Facebook sought to enjoin NSO Group from using Facebook or WhatsApp, arguing that NSO's attacks violated the U.S. Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Facebook's strongest argument was that NSO's reverse engineering of WhatsApp constituted an unauthorized violation of WhatsApp's terms of service, 
In turn, NSO Group raised three arguments. First, that the Northern District of California had no jurisdiction over its operations because NSO does, quote, no business of any kind there, unquote. Second, that it is entitled to sovereign immunity because it serves governments using its products for national security purposes. And third, that it has no purview over, or even awareness of, end-user applications of its technologies. Facebook claims that NSO Group used servers based in Los Angeles, California, as well as a remote server hosted by Amazon to target WhatsApp users. CyberScoop reported that NSO Group used the LA-based server, quote, more than 700 times during the attack to direct NSO's malware to WhatsApp user devices in April and May 2019, unquote. John Scott Railton, a senior researcher at the Citizen Lab, an interdisciplinary lab based at the University of Toronto Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy, called Facebook's latest filing a gut punch to years of NSO's claims. Facebook's filing claims that NSO purchased and operated the U.S. servers that directed NSO's malware to WhatsApp user devices. Facebook's claims not only establish a U.S. nexus, but also, quote, makes the company look much more like a hacking-as-a-service than software developers, unquote, according to Scott Railton. Evidence produced to prove these claims could threaten the credibility of NSO Group's jurisdictional defense and suggests that NSO might have been cognizant of the misuse of its products. This week, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in a 5-4 vote that annotated versions of states' legal codes are not eligible for copyright protection. The High Court declared such legal texts government edicts that must be freely available to the public. The ruling comes after Georgia State filed a suit against activist group Public Resource Org, Inc. for copying and distributing the annotated version of the official code of Georgia on its website without paying. Georgia conceded that the statutory substance of the official code of Georgia is not copyrightable, maintaining free online access to the simple text version of the code. However, the state argued that the annotated version, for which it, quote, contracted with a private company to produce and publish, unquote, is more robust and detailed, and thus must be purchased. Public resource and other activists argue that the commodification of even the annotated version deprives those who cannot afford to pay of complete access to the law. Government edicts have historically been unprotectable by copyright law, in a doctrine that is well settled by 19th century precedent. Government edicts were long defined as, quote, non-binding, explanatory legal materials created by judges who possess the authority to make and interpret the law, unquote, according to the Supreme Court in Banks v. Manchester. This week's Supreme Court ruling extends the government edicts doctrine to, quote, explanatory legal materials created by a legislative body vested with the authority to make law, unquote, finding annotated legal codes to fall within that definition. In other words, so long as the author of an explanatory legal text is a judge or legislator, and that author produces the work in the course of their judicial or legislative duties, then the work is not copyrightable. Although the annotated code was in part produced by a private company, the court found that it was a legislative text falling outside the confines of copyright protection. If the High Court had ruled in favor of Georgia, states would have been entitled to expansive copyright protection over extensive explanatory information about basic laws. Effectively, only those with sufficient means would have been able to access annotated codes. The ruling ensures that what the 11th Circuit called, quote, inherently public material, unquote, is freely accessible to all. Thank you for listening. 
Today's episode was brought to you by Alan Holder and the members of the podcast team at the Berkeley Technology Law Journal. This episode was written and produced by me, Veronica Bognot. We are committed to bringing you interesting news and conversations involving the intersection of technology and the law. If you enjoyed our podcast, please support us by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please write us at btljpodcast at gmail.com. The information presented is not legal advice and may not be up to date. This podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. Don't get legal advice from podcasts. Talk to a lawyer.